Okay. I can turn it off with a silver, a silver cord. I just don't want it to waste the battery. You know what I'm saying? If I turn it, turn the screen off with a silver cord. Okay. Thank you very much for the wait, everyone. For those who don't know me, my name is Shamai. I've been teaching in Hakotel on and off for about 10 years. I did take a break for the army, so I guess that doesn't count. But since Tav Shemai and Aleph, I've been at the privilege of being in the yeshiva. The Chabura that we've had over the years has been focused on Inyane Machshava, usually circulating, evolving somewhat around either Parshas HaShavua or Inyane Diyoma, but Lav Davka. And the purpose of the Chabura was that now that we're all in an institution of higher learning, the goal should be to not just to, not just to broaden our knowledge of Talmud Torah, but also to develop a more sophisticated, in-depth understanding of Talmud Torah. Right? We don't sit and learn Gemara Bi'iyun in order to learn more Gemara, although that is a good goal in and of itself. But it's also to know more of the Gemara, even the ones that we've already learned. And similarly in Machshava, when it comes to the more philosophical or more esoteric areas of our Masora, this is also the goal that should be striven for. It should be in our aspiration. And this is the purpose of this Chabura that we've had, that we've had the privilege of having for the past several years. Have a chair? There you go. Yavaragalach, more important. Yavaragalach, it's more important. Oh, you're good. Okay, fine. So, right, as you've all seen, an important, important element of this Chabura is the tea and the ragalach. There's, there's hot water and tea for everyone wants, uh, anyone wants tea. Probably have some tea at some point. But this is, this is uh, again, this is, this is the focus, uh, this is the focus of, this, of, this, of this Chabura. It is meant to be very Makoros intensive to broaden our understanding and broaden our familiarity with Machshava and Chazal, the richness in, that we find in the Midrashim in all of Kisvei Chazal, and also in Rabbi Senor Arishonim, that flesh out these ideas that in many ways are, are the most sophisticated ideas that we have. I think, I think without a doubt they're the most sophisticated ideas that we have. So just to give a brief introduction, I already, gave, I already said my name. My name is Shammai, originally born in Maryland. I came to Eretz Yisrael when I was a kid, so I've been here for a while. Right? I would say represent, but I can't really consider myself a Marylander enough that I would represent. And I barely know the name of the football team now, so I can't, I can't really do anything beyond that. Uh, I live and work in Yerushalayim. I run a small consulting firm. Uh, I learn in a Beit Midrash that I'm very much involved with in Nachlaot. That's what I do in the mornings. I work during the rest of the day. And at nights, I have the privilege of being with all of you people here in Hakotel. To my chagrin, I was in the army for all for last week, so I wasn't able to be here at nights. But Bezrat Hashem, the plan is that I will be here re- relatively consistently, not just on the nights that we have a chabura, but also during during the week. I usually sit next to Reb Tarragon's makom, <coughs> so that's where I'll be located. Now, without further ado, let us jump in. <coughs> Bavli in Maseches Sukkah and Daf says the following: Shmonim Talmidim Hayu Luhilal Hazaken. There were eighty 
primary disciples that Hillel Hazakein had in the school of Hillel. There were 80 primary disciples. Thirty of these Talmidim were at a level where they were able to attain the, the prophetic insight of Moshe. The other 30 were capable, uh, they, they, they were of stature that they had the merit of experiencing miracles, like Yoshua ben Nun experienced miracles when he entered Eretz Israel with the Jewish people. Esrim Beinonim. And then there were 20 that were somewhere in between. Somewhere in between these two levels. If that's the extreme, ones like Moshe and ones like Yoshua, there were some that were somewhere in between. Godol Shebechulon Yonasan ben Uziel. The greatest of the Talmidim of Hillel Hazaken was the famous Yonasan ben Uziel, which we will examine momentarily. Katan Shebechulon Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. The least of these Talmidim was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who was the leader of the Jewish people during the time of the Karba. And as we know from the well-known story in the Gemara and Gitin, that he is essentially leading uh, the people in Yerushalayim during the siege that eventually led to the Karba and Mikdash. Omru Olav al Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai shlohi niach mikra umishna gemara halachos va'agados dikdukei sofrim v'dikdukei Torah kalim chamuros gizero shavos kufos v'gematrios sichos malachi ashares the conversations of the angels the sichas shedim the conversations of these other beings the sichas dekalim the conversations of the trees mashlos kovsim the parables that the that the that the clothes that the clothe washers told each other davar gadol v'davar katan. The big things and the small things. What are the big things and the small things? Says the Gemara, Davar Gadol, Zema The great things, this is the area of learning called Ma'asem Merkava, which is the drushos of the Psukim in the beginning of Sefer Yechezkel, describing these grand constructs of angelic beings that are floating around somewhere outside of the dimension that we directly experience. Davar Katan, the small things, Havayas Dabai Varava. The questions that Abai and Rava would eventually ask each other in the Bate Medrash of Babel, these are the small things. Okay, this is, this is Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the smallest of the Talmidim. The smallest of the Talmidim, what, what is trying to be said here, is that the smallest of the Talmidim of Hillel Hazakein encompassed the entire gamut of the Masara. Everything. Whether it was in esoteric knowledge, whether it was in halachic knowledge, whether it was in wisdom, mundane wisdom, or you know, supernal wisdom, he encompassed the entire Masara. So you might say, if this is the smallest of the Talmidim, then what more is there to do beyond that? He's the smallest. So how is the greatest, how can the greatest be any greater than that? So the Gemara says, this was Rav Yochanan ben Zakkai's Mila. What was Yonasan ben Uziel's Mila? B'Shah she'yoshe v'osek b'Torah kol of she'poreach olav miyad nisra. That as Yonasan ben Uziel was sitting and learning, if there was a bird that flew over his head, it would spontaneously combust. It would be consumed in flame. That was the Mala of Jonas and Benazio. Now, huh? what is the point of that? That is a very good question. That is a very good question. Meaning, why is that a Mala? Meaning, that's a nice trick, maybe perhaps for a magician or something you might see at the circus. But why is that a Mala that makes him greater then Yonasan Yon, right? Yon ben Zakkai, who, as we said, encompassed the entire Masorah. We'll get back to this, I promise. It is clear from the Nevi'e Yisrael that there is an entity with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that God has something called a Sod. God has something called a Sod. 
the sod, God's sod. The pasuk in Tehillim, the well-known pasuk in Tehillim, sod Hashem nireyal. The secret. Let's, for the time being, let's translate that as a secret. Although we'll see briefly, that doesn't quite capture it. Sod Hashem nireyal solo diyam. In the Navi in Amos, we see that the Navi says, "Ki lo Hashem davar." God will not do a thing. Ki im gila es sodo laavadav haniviim. Before he reveals his sod to his prophets, who are his servants. God has a sod. And he reveals this sod to certain individuals, to certain people. Before we reveal what, before we discuss what God's sod is, we have to first understand what, what a sod is in general. What is a sod? What does that mean that there's a sod? So he just translated it as secret, and indeed, it clearly has that connotation to it, that there is a sod that is secret, proprietary information. But if we peruse through Kisvei HaKodesh, and this is a very common word in Kisvei HaKodesh, the word sod, the word sod does not only have the connotation of secret information, but it has the connotation of a group, a group of people. Where is one of the, fir- one of the first times in Kisvei HaKodesh where we see this word, right, there's a quiz, anyone who's trying out for the... Chidon HaTanach. It's one of the first times, all the way at the end of Sefer Bereshit, where we see this word come. In fact, I'm thinking this might be the first time that it appears in the Tanakh. Yaakov is blessing his children. Okay? He's blessing, I'll narrow it down for you. It's the blessing of, or the not so much of a blessing, of Shimon and Levi. Any takers? Any Balkores over here? B'Sodom al Yaakov says, very good, extra points for Noam. The Pasuk says, Besodam al Tavo Nafshi, Bikhalam al Yechad Kivodi, Bikhalam. In their gathering, the Sod is implying that there are people that have gathered together. El Na'aratz, Besod Kedoshim Rabbah. God is praised in the Sod of the Holy Ones. What does that mean? He's praised. He's praised in secret? No, it means that when the Holy Ones gather together, i.e. the Jewish people, possibly referring to the Malachim, that's also an ambiguity over there, by the way, it's interesting, right? When we say, right, when we say in Kedusha, this is, a, this I'm adding parenthetically, right, Kesod Siach Sarfei Kodesh, as it says in Nusach Sfarad, that like the, 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 the way in which the Holy Ones praise God, is that referring to the Malachim or is that referring to the Jewish people? There's an intentional ambiguity there. Anyway, be that as it may, Right? But it's besod kedoshim Rabbah in the gathering of the holy ones. God is praised. There's a gathering. Right? There's a there's a connotation that a sod implies that there is a gathering. There is a group of people coming together, and not just any group of people, but it is implying that there is an intimacy going on. There is an intimacy in this gathering that everyone is coming together to share things with each other that they otherwise, in some other context, would not be sharing. You understand how these two connotations of Sod are now overlapping? Where Sod, on the one hand, means secret information. And on the other hand, it also means a gathering of people. People that they're coming together in order to share Sodos. That's why they're there. That's why they're coming together. David HaMelech in Tehillim Really, you see the right, the right, the intensity of David Hamelech's life experience come out in the Pirkei Tehillim, and it's obviously a a, 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 a a work of the of the Parshanim that when we when we analyze the Prakram of Tehillim that are implicitly or explicitly referring to a chapter of David Hamelech's life, what exactly are the connotations that right that 
the notes that are being brought out in the Pirkei Tehillim. David, when he's lamenting, he is betrayed by many people throughout his life. Probably that if there's a single biggest tragic element of David Amalek's life is that he's constantly being betrayed by people that he trusted. It's very sad. And the Chazal often highlight the extent to which this betrayal was. Whether it was Shoal in the beginning of his career or it was his son at the end of his career. But throughout his whole career, people are mamish betraying him. Okay? So Tehillim Chafei, Chazal understand that he's referring to the betrayal of Achitofel, his advisor. The advisor that the Pasuk says, right? It was like receiving advice from Achitofel was like receiving advice from God. So he was a very, very wise, keen observer of geopolitics, and you should probably listen to him. So losing him as an asset was incredible, right? He, he went over to the, to, the, to, the, to the coup of his son, Avshalom. And Doeg Ha'adomi, Doeg Ha'adomi, who in one way or another was a character that was right, a prominent character uh, early on in the story, and he's loyal to Shaul. Anyway, he's lamenting the betrayal of these two people. And he's telling over how these weren't two, you know, Stam, two individuals who decided one day to collude with David HaMelech's enemies. These were people that David HaMelech had a close relationship with for a long time. And the fact that they turned on him was crushing. It was absolutely crushing. And he's lamenting how crushing it is. And he's recalling their closeness. Asher biachdav namtik sod. That when we were together, we would have the sweetness of secrets. Beis Hashem nelech baragesh, as we were going with enthusiasm to the house of Hashem. We see that, the, again, to highlight this point, that the sod is not just something that's secret. We say secret, something, things would be secret for a lot of reasons. They're proprietary information, right? People spend a tremendous amount of money, right? The, right, the, the, the cybersecurity industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. People invest tremendous amounts of money in order to ensure that certain information will only be known by certain people and not by other people. And those people could be five or six people. Only those five or six people will know it. Everyone, all the other six, six billion people in the world won't know it. They invest tremendous amounts of money. Now, is that like, is it is some personal, deep secret about your inner experience? No, not necessarily. It's just a, it's just a, right, it's just a list of numbers. But that list of numbers could you know, equal a tremendous amount of financial loss. So you don't want everyone in the world to know. But that's not the secret that we're talking about here. The secret that we're talking about is something deep and personal that when you reveal it, it is inherently an act of connection to someone else. That's what a sod in Kisve HaKodesh is. In the Avos de Rebbe Nason, which is, <laughs> you know, people ask, what's the best... What's the best parish on, uh, you know, on really on any sefer? Very often, the within that within those svarim is, is quite a good parish, right? The best parish on the Tanakh, for instance, is usually the other places in the Tanakh that talk about that section, right? So similarly, the best parish on Maseches Avos is the Avos the Rabbi Nosam, which is just an expanded version of the so-called Pirkei Avos that we have, right? The five chapters and the sixth chapter added on in the Brises. Anyway, and the Avos the Rabbi Nosam. On the Mishnah Kenei Lecha Chaver, which we all know, a person should acquire for himself a friend. He should Asei Lecha Rav, he should make for himself a teacher, Kenei Lecha Chaver, and acquire a friend. Now, the Mishnah just leaves it at that. It just says you should do that. That's a good idea. Okay, great. You should be Kenei Lecha Chaver, you should acquire a friend. Why should you acquire a friend? What are you going to use this friend for? So says the Abba's Rebbe Nassim. She'adam yikne la'atzmo chaver, kedei she'yochalimo, the Yishanimo, that he could do all of his activities with him, the Yigalelo Sisrei Torah, the Sisrei Derech Eretz. 
someone that he'll be able to tell the secrets of his Torah and the secrets of his mundane activities. That's why you should have a friend. You have a friend so that you can tell secrets to. That's why you have a friend. And again, if we're talking about a secret that is just some type of sensitive information, the launch codes or some top secret intelligence, you don't need a friend for that. You don't need a friend. A friend is when, you, when the secret that you're saying is something deep about your personal experience. Are we getting a little closer to understanding when God talks about his sod, what exactly he's referring to? He's not talking about secret information that he wants only these people to know and not those people to know because it could be compromising. That's not the sod. The sod of a Baruch Hu is he's also looking for someone to tell his secrets to. He also wants someone, he could be megale, he could reveal these secrets. In, the, in Rashi, the very, very beginning of Shir Ashirin, it's not clear to me exactly what the Makor of Rashi is over here. It could be that it's in Shir Ashirim Rabbah, but it's not... It's not uh, Rashi very often in Shir Ashirim, specifically in other places as well, but in Shir Ashirim he quotes Midrashim and expounds on them, gives kind of like his own interpretation. The opening verse of Shir Ashirim is the well-known Pasuk, Nashkenim Neshikos Piyu Kitovim Dodecha Miyayim. I yearn for your kisses, for your nishikot, right? And the, as we know, Shirashirim is presented as a dialogue between a man and a woman who are in a deep relationship. So one says to the other, I'm, right, I'm, yearning, I, I'm, I'm yearning for this experience of intimacy. So says Rashi. <laughs> Again, according to the construct that we, that, we, that we understand, that the man and the woman are the collective of the Jewish people, what Chazal called the Knesset Yisrael, is the female character, the feminine character, and the man, right, the masculine character is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. <laughs> Says Rashi the following, Nashkinim Neshikos Koi Al-Mamad Harsinai. This is referring to the, the experience of Sinai. Kshakarosh Baruch Hu Gila, Gila Diburo Laamo, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed his words to his nation, this, this is the Neshikot that it's referring to, the kisses that it's referring to, this state of intense intimacy. This was the receiving of the Torah at Sinai. Right? And the woman character is saying, I, I want to relive that experience again. How am I, how am I going to relive that experience again? Shuhu Atid galos that eventually, eventually, huatid, eventually, Hakadosh Baruch Hu will be misgale again, will reveal himself again, lahagid sisre sodov to reveal his secrets, right? Kemo shahaya oz, like he did then before. So if we can condense the experience of Harsinai into one sentence, what that was is Hakadosh Baruch Hu is coming and giving over to his small niche of people that he wants to formulate a connection with. He, he's, giving him, he's giving them over a secret, a deep secret, a really, really important one. And what Rashi is telling us, incidentally, is that La'atid Lavo, we will have a deeper, an even deeper insight into this secret. Right? But for now, at least we have, right, we have something to start with. The Torah collectively, collectively is God's sod, is God's secret. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, the and Daf Sadi Dalad, darshaning the pasuk that we quoted before. Sod Hashem Lireyav, the secret of God is to those who fear Him. What does that mean? Asuke Shmaitasa Aliba Delchasa. 
the ability to arrive at a proper conclusion in Talmud Torah, that's what that means. God gives His secret to those who live in awe of Him, who's, right, those who live in awe of HaKadosh Baruch Hu merit Anyone can sit and kind of, you know, break their teeth over a Rashba, but to have clarity and to have a to have a cohesive understanding of a sugya and arrive at a clear-cut conclusion, not everyone merits that, and certainly not with every sugya that they learn. God awards, so to speak, Yireyav, those who live in awe of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, those who live in awe, He gives them, He bequeaths this sod, because again, the sod is the, the the Torah is just one big sod. And again, the sod is just like we have deep relationships with our with our friends and family, and that we want to be able to reveal to them the inner recesses of our experience. And through giving over that information, we solidify a deep connection with them. Hakadosh Baruch Hu also revealed His sod to us in order to be able to have that connection. Rabbi we say this every single morning in the second bracha of Kriyashma. Really, in the, really, really at night as well, but in the morning it's more explicit. God, you loved us a profound love. What's the profound love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loved us? It's an action. It's implying an action. You loved us a profound love. What was the profound love? We say, right? Just like you, you, you revealed the Torah to our forefathers in that act of love, so too you should reveal the Torah to us in an act of love. How is revealing, the t- how is revealing information an act of love? This is the only context, Rabbi in which revealing information is an act of love. When you reveal something of the, again, the inner recesses of your experience, how you experience the world, what your, what your, what your inner emotional dimension is, all of these things, revealing that to someone else is a tremendous act of love. That's what it is. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you could say also that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to, re- to, to receive the profound wisdom of the Torah and to be able to reap the rewards of the Torah. All that is true as well. But inherently, the act of teaching Torah, the act of giving over Torah, not just HaKadosh Baruch Hu to us, the Jewish people, but also us to our a already to his Talmud, the act of giving over Torah, the act of giving over the, the depths of our souls, literally, we're pouring out our souls to the ones who's receiving this. That's a tremendous, tremendous act of intimacy and closeness. And this is the sod, this is the sod that HaGadosh Baruch Hu gives over in an act of Ahava, in an act of profound love. This is the meaning, Rabbi Osai, of the, again, relatively well-known Gemara, and the Gemara in Shabbat. The Gemara in Shabbat's Darshan, the Gemara in Shabbat's Bechlal, is the Masechta that deals mostly with the experience of Mamar Har Sinai. And Daf Peches is well-known, we'll get to Daf Peches in a moment. But not on Daf Peches. And the... Uh, the Gemara in Shabbat says the following: Anochi, Anochi, what? Which Anochi? Anochi, as in the first word of the Dibros, of the ten utterances at Sinai. Anochi, Anochi, Hashem Elokecha. I am Hashem, your God. Says the Gemara, Anochi is meant to be understood as a notricon, as a acronym, an acronym. Anochi, Ona Nafi Sivas Yehivas. I, God wrote down my soul and gave it to me. That's how we're supposed to understand Anochi. I, God, I wrote down my soul and I gave it to you. If these things were not written in Chazal, it would be forbidden to say such a thing. What does that even mean that God wrote down his soul and gave it to you? God, ha- First of all, does God even have a soul? And second of all, even if he could, how could he write it down and how could he give it to someone? But, this, but in light of what we're explaining, it's a Dabar Bashar what that means. It means that when you write down something that was of, of tremendous depth and personal meaning to you, 
and you give that information over to someone else, you are literally giving them your soul. Literally. You are, you, you, you are giving over the, the, the most profound recesses of yourself. And that's what that means to give over your soul. And that is the act of Talmud, and that, that, that is the act of giving over Torah. The Ononafshik Sivas Yehivas. I'm going to get back to your question now. What was the significance of the Mila of Yomis and Benuziel? To put it bluntly, who cares what was going on on top of his head while he was learning Torah? What, what, what is, right? You think that the Mila of Yochan ben Zakkai, there's nowhere to go after that. You know, he knows everything that anyone could ever know. Great. What, what's after that? What's after that? But the Mila of Yonas and ben Uziel is in fact this Mila that we are referring to. It's that Yonasan achieved a state of Talmud Torah that whenever he interacted with Devar Hashem, the experience was a reliving, a reliving of the intensity of Harsinai. The Pasuk in Shamos, in Parshas Yisro, describing the circumstances of Sinai, says that the Jewish people were not allowed to go up to the mountain. They weren't even allowed to go into the inner perimeter of the mountain. Okay, why is that? Loti do not touch it. You will be shot down. You will be stoned down, so to speak. Animal, man, doesn't matter. You touch... While the Maimad was going on, while the Shechina was on Sinai, if anyone approached Sinai, they would immediately experience this. Okay? They would be... Sakol Yisakel literally means to be stoned. But you think, okay, well, who's going to stone... Uh, who's doing this? Who's throwing the stone? Right? What, what, what does that mean? The Targum Yerushalmi, on this Pasuk. Lo sikrav dey enash... Do not... And no one should come close to this mountain. Arum misradam isragem the Pulsen Denura Yiskadrin Bay, because bolts of fire will come out and consume you if you try to approach Sinai while this is while the Maimad is going on. On both sides, this is what it means, that if anything flew over Yonasan ben Uziel's head, it would burst into flames, because when Yonasan ben Uziel was involved in Talmud Torah, he was, he became a Maimad Harsinai. He became, he relived that experience. That's what that means. Whereas, whereas the Talmudim, all the Talmudim below Yonasan knew everything that there was to know. That wasn't a question. Do you know everything? Could you pass all the fires? Could you pass all the Bechinas? That's not the question. They could all pass the Bechinas. The question is, what was the experience of approaching Talmud Torah? What was the significance of that? Was it, was it, was it an intellectual experience? Or was it reliving the closeness and the intimacy that was achieved by the Jewish people when they stood at Sinai? And for Yonasan ben Uziel, he lived that. Every, t- every moment that he sat down to learn, he was reliving Harsina. He became a miniature Harsina. We see, by the way, incidentally, I'll just note, that throughout Chazal, we see that the greatness of the Gedolei Atanayim was that even unbeknownst to them, they would trigger some type of fire phenomenon while they're learning. Perhaps we'll get to this Gemara at some point in the Yushalmi and Chagiga discussing the history of, of, uh, of Elisha ben Avuya that his father saw Yehoshua, Rabbi Yehoshua and Rabbi Eliezer sitting and learning. And unbeknownst to them, as they were sitting and learning, a, a swirl of fire surrounded them and <laughs> started, started consuming everything around them. And he said, I want a son that can do that. That, that, was, that, was, that was 
<laughs> that was Elisha ben Avuya's impetus into into uh, the Talmud Torah, his motivation, so to speak. It wasn't such a positive motivation as the Gemara over there says, but thus says the Yushalmi Chagim. Anyway, be that as it may, the point that we're saying, Rabbosan, incidentally, I just realized Yoshua and Elazar were both Talmidim of Yochan ben Zakkai, so it could be that they received the, uh, the fire trick from their... Uh, uh, not sure where they got the fire trick from, because it was, uh, it was on the other line of the Masada. Anyway, what we're saying is, Rabbosan, what we're saying is, is that the experience of Sinai, the experience of our Talmud Torah, is experiencing none other than God's sod. It's experiencing the the, the, the reception of a Kaddosh Baruch Hu sod. It's the receiving this tremendous closeness, this tremendous intimacy. I just want to close off with a, with a... to expand a little bit on... Um, on this concept of seeking to relive to relive Harsinai in this way especially in light of what we're of what we're going through now with starting off a new year getting acclimated into yeshiva many of the people sitting here it's their first experience sitting and learning for Tisarim it's not an easy it's not an easy test to handle I can tell you I, I, I certainly can't do it I certainly could not take on myself for sitting in the yeshiva and learning for three starim and committing to that intensity of Talmud Torah. And this is not a place for schleppers, as, a, as I'm sure you've all, I'm sure you've all felt in the few weeks that you've been here. This is a place that is that is demanding. It expects things from the people that are here, and it's not pasha being here. It's not pasha, right? And it's and 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 I think that it's made very very clear by the rabbanim and the hanhala of the yeshiva that things are expected from the people that are here. And Baruch Hashem, from what I've seen. I've, I've never did to see from all the years that I've been here. The people that come here are serious. And even the people that require perhaps a, a, a touch more seriousness, they get into it. They do. Because they're motivated and they want to be able to grow and they want to be able to make that investment. The Gemara in Shabbat, again, the Gemara in Shabbos. Pechas. I said we would get back to Pechas. The Gemara tells a story of, of Rava, right? The, the Gedol HaMarayim in the fourth generation of Amarayim. The Kamayan Bishmaite, that he was sitting and learning. And accidentally, as he was moving his chair around, the chairs that they had back then were much closer to the ground, right? Not like chairs that we have now. He was adjusting his chair, and his hand got caught underneath the leg of the chair. The Nove Etzbase Dum. And he slashed open his hand. And his hand, it says his hand was flowing with blood. Right? He was he was bleeding profusely. Okay. Omar lay. There was a. There happened to be as this was going on. There happened to be some antagonistic character. The Gemara calls him a min, a heretic, but not exactly clear who this character was. But someone that was not particularly friendly to Rava. He says to Rava the following: "I'm a paziza. You are a reckless people, you Jews." Because you put your mouth before your ears. You are still in your recklessness. What is he referring to that you put your mouth before your ears? What is he referring to? That you spoke. That you spoke before you heard. Why didn't you listen to what the deal was? Someone puts a contract down in front of you on the table, you sign without looking at it? Obviously, you're going to read it before you commit to something. Who are you to say, Nazav and Ishva, that will do everything and then we'll hear what the deal is? 
That's ridiculous. You're reckless. And you're still in your recklessness. Look at you. You're sitting and your hand is slashed open. You don't even pay attention. You're still in your recklessness. So what does Rava respond? Amar Onan de Sagina Bishlemusa. He says, no, we are not reckless. We are, rather, we are in a state of shlemus, of wholeness. The, the connotation over here is a, is a, like we say, tamim. Tamim also means wholeness, but it means wholeness with another person, meaning we, we're coming with faith. We're coming with faith in the other party, the other party being God, right? Ksiv ben tumasi sharim tanchein. Ksiv buhu besalif bogdim yashadim. Okay, fine. It quotes a pasuk that 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 uh, that, uh, that discusses that idea. Anyway, says Rashi, the sagina bishlemusa, because we are constantly in a state of relying on a kadosh baruch What does that mean? He snalach nimo betum lev. We went with him with full reliance. Haosame ahava. Those who act out of love. Shaloyit haanenu bedavar shalonuchalamudbo. That we relied on a kadosh baruch that he wouldn't give us any mission that we wouldn't be able to take. True, we didn't look over the deal. We didn't look into the specificities. We didn't look over any of the fine prints. But we relied on Akkadah's Baruch that he would not give us anything that we wouldn't be able to handle. Thus says Rava. Okay? Now put that on hold for just one minute. Listen to Amidrash Rava from Parshas Yisra. Okay? This is the experience of what went on at Harsinai. This is a relatively well-known Midrash. You probably will all be familiar with it. This is the source. Medrash Rava, Parsha Chavtes, Simon Dalit. Okay? When they heard the voice of HaKadosh Baruch Hu coming from the fire, none of them had the strength to stand before it. When it was revealed to them, immediately when they heard the voice of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, their souls were jettisoned from their body. That was the intensity of the experience. As it says, also passed from Shira Shirim in Parag Hey, my soul left me. Literally, the words are, Nafshi my soul left as he spoke to me. Their souls left their body. But the, but the Torah request, the Torah beseeched God for mercy. Okay? And, 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 and their, souls, their souls return to their body. We'll get to the end of the, in this measure in a second. But just in light of what we read until this point, okay? Rava says, you know, we relied on God because we knew He wouldn't give us anything that we couldn't handle. Did the Jewish people receive something at Sinai that they weren't able to handle? I think that in light of this measure, they received something that they weren't able to handle. They literally heard God speak and their souls left their bodies from the intensity. What does that mean? Yes, we relied on Kodesh Baruch that he wouldn't make it too hard on us. We would be able to handle everything. Their souls literally left their bodies from the intensity of the experience. How is that not being able to handle it? That's called, I think, not being able to handle it. So what's the pshat? What does that mean? That we relied on Kodesh Baruch that we would be able to handle it? As we begin to read the second half of this comment of Chazal. Biksha Aleim Torah Rachamim, the Torah, the Torah itself, the Torah as an entity, turned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and prayed for the Jewish people. Yesh Melech Masibitova Horeg Anshe Beso Have you ever heard of a king that he marries off his daughter and then proceeds to kill all of his in-laws? I mean, the answer is yes. You've heard of such stories. But like, you God, you shouldn't do that because you're not a bad, crazy, tyrannical king. When you marry off your daughter, right? When you give over something precious to you, to another person, you don't go and wipe out everyone, Right? Everyone in the entire world is rejoicing because the Torah has entered into the world and now the Jewish people are all dead. Okay? At that point, their souls returned to their bodies. Jewish people, they were revivified. 
Shenemar Torah Hashem Tamima Meshivas Nafesh Meshivas Nafesh It returns the soul Returns the soul So Nafshi Yatsa It's true my, The soul left My soul literally left my body Because of the intensity But the Torah is Meshivas Nafesh It returns the soul What's being said Rabbi The soul of, what's, of what Rabbi is saying when he is declaring that we are all in a state of complete reliance on a Baruch Hu, that we know that he will not give us anything that we will not be able to handle. Initially, it feels like we will not be able to handle it. It is too difficult. It is, it is by definition beyond what we are able to handle. Kol Hashem lahavos eish. As the Gemara in Bracho says, this is describing, describing what it felt like to be at Sinai. It felt like to be chotzev, means to like bore through a mountain. Okay, so the voice of God was like a firebolt boring through a mountain. That was the experience. To hear the voice of HaKadosh Baruch Hu at Sinai was an intense experience. And maybe we're not having firebolts bored through our bodies. But I think that it's fair to say that the intensity of going through a yeshiva experience, especially acclimating to what is being demanded of you, is not a Dover Pashat. It's not a simple thing. It's demanding. It takes a toll on you emotionally, physically. It, it, on all the dimensions of our being, it takes a toll on us. And to be able to really fully commit to that and to rejoice in the avoda is not a simple thing. It's not a simple thing. And nafshi dabroimi. And and the experience of Sinai initially is that the soul leaves the body. It's not able to handle it. It's not. It's not able to handle the intensity. However, the segula of the Torah, the secret contained within the Torah, is Torah Sashem Tamima Meshivas Nafesh. That's sticking loyally to the path of serious commitment to Talmud Torah contains within it the ability that the person experiences the revivifying of the soul. The soul not only does it come back, but it comes back it comes back with more strength and more vitality than it had before. And this is what Rav declares, yes, he's not denying that his hand was bleeding. No, you can see that his hand is bleeding. It's true. It's true. Right? There's, a, there's, a, there's a price, so to speak, to, be, to, be, to pay to going into this. But I have full confidence that in the long run, not only will I not suffer from this, but the experience will be revivifying. It will, it will, it will give me increased strength and, entre- and, in, and increased enrichment that I didn't have before. And this is, this is what we are yearning for in approaching Talmud Torah. To summarize, to, to, just to, just to, in light of what we explained until this point, to approach Talmud Torah is not to approach an intellectual pursuit only. It is knowing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a deep yearning, if it's permissible to say this, a deep desire to share his sod, to share his secret with us. This is, this is actually the point that I wanted to highlight that I forgot. What was Yonason ben Uziel's whole, his whole project, the thing that made him famous, so to speak? What was his mark on Jewish history? The Targum, the targum Uziel on Nevi'im was revealing what was really behind these psukim. You read these psukim, they seem very mysterious, they seem very cryptic. And the Targum Yonasan, the Targum Yonasan ben Uziel is coming to tell you what's really there. And as the Gemara in Megillah says, he was going to write it on Ksuvim, and a voice came out and says, no, you can't do it on Ksuvim. That, that's too much, right? Probably an allusion to what we quoted before in Rashi. That La'atid, that eventually HaKadosh Baruch Hu will come and reveal the full extent of the secret. But not yet, right? In Ksuvim, right, Ksuvim already, Ksuvim, right? the, the Abu Draham says that the pasuk that he got that he got to in Ksuvim that triggered the voice that told him to stop was the pasuk in Tehillim, um, that God will be 
Melech in Yerushalayim. He got to that puzzle. He said, "No, you can't translate that. You can't. You can't. You can't reveal that. The, the, the world's not ready to hear that." Be that as it may, Yonasan ben Uziel's whole project, his whole project was to reveal the sod, as the, as, the, as the Gemara within Megillah says, "Mi gila sisrai levonai." Who is this that's revealing my secrets? And Yonasan answers. He says, "Listen, you know, lo I didn't do it for my honor and not for the honor of my father's house. Right? I only did it lishma in order so that people should know the full richness and extent of the Torah." That was Yonasan's whole project to reveal the inner depths and the inner secrets of the Torah. And the inner secrets of the Torah is not some esoteric, you know, Kabbalistic system of this spherotic table and that world, and that's also part of it. Obviously, that's, that, there is a place for that. But that's not what it is inherently. What it is inherently, again, is the, is the yearning of a Baruch Hu to give over, to give over his essence, Kabbalah I wrote down my soul and I gave it to you. And by inculcating Torah, we, we make that part of us. We make that part of us. And that is the ultimate, the ultimate expression of love. The ultimate expression of love. And by committing to that wholeheartedly and with full emunah, not only do we not become weakened and, and, <laughs> and suffer, suffer losses in the, at the personal level because of it, but on the contrary, we come out the other end more, rejuven- more, more revivified and more strengthened and more enriched than we started with. I hope to be able to have a fulfilling year with anyone and everyone who wants to participate in this Chabura. I wish everyone a tremendous amount of Hatzlacha and Zman Elul specifically and throughout the year. Chizku v'yamis l'vavchem kolam yach alim la'ashem.